Hello, and welcome to the NLP Highlights Podcast, where we talk about interesting recent work in natural language processing. This is Matt Gardner and Walid Ammar. We are research scientists at the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence. Today's paper is Supervised Learning of Universal Sentence Representations from Natural Language Inference Data. This is by Alexis Cano, Duwe Kiela, Holger Schwenk, and Loic Boralt and Antoine Bord at Facebook AI Research. This paper falls into the line of research on transfer learning or representation learning, uh, which essentially is like the main problem in natural language processing, uh, statistical natural language processing, is going from strings of text to feature representations that we can then use in some kind of statistical learning model. And uh, the key question is, how do we get those feature representations? Historically in NLP, we've hand-engineered a bunch of feature representations uh, and used those as inputs to our models. These days we're thinking a lot more about how can we get a neural network to do this feature representation learning for us. And this paper is exploring this line of work, particularly on how do we represent sentences, sequences of words, uh, as a single vector that we can use in some downstream task. There are several previous work that focus on learning representations for sentences, such as the skip thought vectors uh, work. How does this paper differ from previous work on this uh, line? So the skip thought vectors said, let's train a sentence encoder, something that takes us from sequences of words to a vector, and let's train it to predict the previous sentence and the next sentence in some large corpus. So I get a whole bunch of data, like maybe just text I find from the web, and I find sentence triples where uh, I have three sentences in order and I take an encoding of the middle sentence and I use that encoding to predict the encodings of the previous sentence and the next sentence. This is very similar to the skip gram idea in the word to vec package that uh, was, I guess, one of the main uh, original word vector um, pieces of work. And uh, this, I guess that's where they get this name from, skip thought, in analogy to this skip gram where instead of taking a word and having it predict words in its context, both before and after, we're taking a sentence and having it predict other sentences in its context. So you could, you could think of this as a kind of unsupervised approach uh, where we don't need any labeling on the text that we find. We just need to find a whole bunch of text and we essentially get labels on our data to do this learning for free uh, just by looking at the ordering of um, sentences in, in the corpus. And what this paper says is instead of using these unsupervised or weakly supervised uh, learning models, instead let's learn sentence representations from some supervised signal that hopefully will give us better transfer. So the, I guess the thought here is that people have uh, put more effort into labeling things in particular data sets and that those labels might encode richer information or force a model to learn richer information than you have to learn just by predicting previous sentence and next sentence. So uh, this is an analogy to ImageNet uh, in computer vision. ImageNet uh, was, it's a, it's a collection of images that have labels associated with them. And the way that you do transfer in computer vision is you train a, an image classification model to predict the label that you're given for the image, and then you pull out the representations that, the, that this uh, classification model learned and you use them in some other task. So the thought by these authors is uh, we should be able to do something similar where from for language we predict some supervised signal, pull out the representations, and use them somewhere else. 
So the obvious downside to this approach is that you have smaller amounts of data to learn from if you're only going to use label data. Um, so how large is SNLI uh, data set, do you remember? SNLI is pretty big. It's got like 500,000 sentence pairs or so, on that order of magnitude anyway, which, right. which is pretty pretty big. But uh, in contrast, we have billions or even trillions of unsupervised sentences. So yeah, it's many orders of magnitude different in the amount of data that you can use for these things. So um, SNLI, uh, the Stanford Natural Language Inference data set, is the data set that, they, that this paper looks at. This data set is a collection of sentence pairs, about 500,000 of them, as I said. And the way this data set was collected, they took an image captioning data set, threw away the images, and had people on Mechanical Turk uh, create uh, entailment pairs given the sentences from the image captions. And the way they did this was they said, uh, they showed the sentence to uh, people on Mechanical Turk. Maybe the sentence was two people talking. And they said, Imagine that there's an, that this is describing an image. Think of another caption that must also describe the same image. So um, maybe two people moving their mouths. I don't, I don't know. Uh, moving is not a great example because of, this isn't video. But anyway, you, you get the idea. Um, something else that describes two people talking. And then they, they because of the way this was constructed, they use this as, as a, an entailment pair, which means um, because uh, they both describe things that must be true about a single image, one sentence must entail the other sentence. And then they similarly said, uh, please write down a sentence that must not be true of the image if this image is true of the, of the caption. And uh, there you might get something like one person talking to himself. Because the original caption said there were two people, this one is now contradicted, and so you get a labeled pair that way. And then they also had a way to elicit neutral or unrelated uh, sentence pairs in a similar kind of way. So uh, one interesting thing to keep in mind, some people think this data set is too easy because uh, think of the, the incentives of someone on Mechanical Turk. They want to get through tasks as quickly as possible so that they can get more money. Uh, and they get paid very, very little um, per instance that they do. And so very frequently, if you give them a string of text and want them to produce another string of related text, they will copy and paste and do a slight modification. This clearly happened for, uh, I, I don't know how much of, the, of SNLI, but for a lot of it, uh, you get only like single word or small phrase differences between the two sentences. And so even though this is a sentence entailment data set, a lot of the instances look much more like single word entailment uh, instances. And this is why models like the decomposable attention model that only look at word pair scores do very, very well. So um, anyway, just a side note there on if you're creating a data set with Mechanical Turk, you should think really carefully about what the incentives are for the people who are doing your task and what they're going, what characteristics this will induce in the data, that, data set that you're creating. So for what it's worth, uh, the current results on, the, uh, on this data set, according to the website on, in the Stanford, um, is 88.8% uh, accuracy uh, for the SNLI data set. That's a 2017 uh, paper by uh, Jigu Wang uh, and other people at IBM. Yeah, so maybe, the, so it, it's, a, it's nice in that it's a nice large data set. As, as every data set, it has some issues, but uh, it was a nice contribution. Okay, so um, that, this is the data set that this paper is looking at uh, in order to learn sentence representations. 
So they take an approach where uh, for each sentence in the sentence pair, we're going to encode it into a single vector and then essentially learn some feedforward classifier on top of these two vectors, maybe just a simple dot product, uh, in order to predict entailment, contradicts, or neutral. Okay? Uh, once you uh, limit yourself to this general framework of models, there's still a large class of things you could pick from. You could use some convolutional encoder, you could use an LSTM, you could use a BiLSTM, you could use BiLSTMs with different kinds of operations to get single vectors. Like there, there's a very wide range, class of models that still fit into this general framework. So they have some initial experiments where they uh, measure performance on the SNLI test set and on dev, the dev set of a bunch of transfer tasks that, that they're trying to do, which I'll explain in a minute. And they pick the model that has the best performance across all of these. Turns out it's a bi-LSTM, a bi-directional LSTM, uh, with a max pooling operation across all the vectors of all of the words in the sentence. And then... Um, Sorry, how do you combine the uh, sentence level representation for the pair of sentences after doing uh, the sentence embedding? Yeah, what they do is kind of complicated. So they take the, the two vectors. You get one vector for sentence, the premise sentence, and one vector for the hypothesis sentence. Uh, they take the vectors, they concatenate them, and then they concatenate also their element-wise product and their absolute element-wise difference. So you now have a vector that's four times the length of, the, of each individual sentence vector. And then you pass this concatenated vector into a, uh, they say, a three-class classifier consisting of multiple fully connected layers culminating in a softmax layer. So just a feed-forward neural net. Okay. Uh, this particular section that I'm reading doesn't say how many layers they do, but just some feed-forward net that takes as input these um, four concatenated um, sentence vectors. Right, and this featureization actually is, has been used in several previous papers on this data set, so that makes sense. Yeah, I guess um, if you think of like the interactions that you can easily get out of these two vectors, it's nice to be able to have their, their element-wise products so you can get like a similarity, uh, which is hard to get if you just concatenate them and pass them through a feed-forward neural net. And then also their absolute, the, the element-wise difference also is really helpful and really hard to capture in just a feed-forward net. So, so it's, it's become kind of standard because it's actually useful if you want to have some deep net that, that looks not just at like simple kinds of interactions, but also similarity kinds of interactions between these two vectors. Okay, so after they've decided which um, method, which sentence encoder they should use, they then look at a bunch of transfer, transfer learning tasks. And so, uh, the authors have set up a tool that allows easy evaluation on 12 different transfer tasks, which seems like a really useful contribution just by itself. So uh, Manal Faruqi, who is my office mate at CMU for a little bit, uh, set up a very similar kind of tool called wordvectors.org. He was doing research on how do you compute general um, word representations. And I thought this this contribution of a simple website and script that would let you evaluate word representations on a host of different tasks was just really useful. I used it in one of my papers. Um, and this paper says, let's do a very similar thing, but for sentence representations. Um, the tool isn't public yet, the paper's still under review, uh, but they say they're going to release this, and I, it seems like it'd be really useful if you're studying these kinds of sentence representations. I think that's a nice thing to do. 
Um, the tasks that they look at are different kinds of uh, classification tasks on sentence pairs, uh, sorry, on, on individual sentences. So sentiment analysis, product reviews, subjectivity, objectivity, opinion polarity, uh, also entailment and semantic relatedness. So very similar to the SNLI task where you have sentence pairs and want to learn some classifier. And they use the SICK data set as well as, I guess, just two different um, subsets of the SICK data set. Also a semantic textual similarity, which is pretty similar, uh, paraphrase detection, and caption image retrieval. So there's a, a host of different tasks that you can evaluate. And they take these sentence pairs, sorry, these sentence representations that they get from the supervised training on SNLI, the Stanford Natural Language Inference Dataset. And they evaluate the sentence rep representations on each of these different datasets. So the transfer task specific specifically is let's learn a sentence encoding just on the just on SNLI, take that model on this new data set, encode the sentence, and then learn some simple classifier on top of the representation that I got from the SNLI encoder. And they show that using the SNLI encoder instead of skip thought and a bunch of other uh, baselines that you could think of trying to do, like just a simple bag of words embedding from pre-trained word vectors and so on, um, they're uh, SNLI trained model does substantially better than, I guess a little bit better, maybe not substantially, looking more carefully at this data. So they, they do a little bit better than skip thought uh, on all of the tasks. So it's pretty consistently a little bit better, seems like. One caveat here is that they also compared to a purely supervised approach to uh, on these data sets. And almost all of the time, they don't actually beat the supervised baseline. So it, it's not totally clear to me when you would want to use this. Because if the whole point was I want to learn good feature representations that I can use in some other task, uh, it sure seems like if I just learn a supervised model to do feature representation learning for me on that task, I do better than trying to transfer this feature representation. So while they do show that they do better than other means of doing this unsupervised transfer that have been published so far, they don't really have a compelling argument to me that I should actually use this in practice because they don't beat a supervised baseline. And I have the training data, so why not use it? Right, so even though you're using unsupervised representations in the proposed method, you still need the label data in order to learn how to use these features to make a prediction for this particular task. And uh, yeah, if you're using the label data anyway, then uh, it's a strange... Uh, uh, but I, I wonder if they did, uh, if they tried to combine the like the on the, the representations learned from skip thought or other um, other ways of doing completely unsupervised learning for the features, and in addition to uh, the supervised learning. Yeah, like how, it, it's an interesting open question how you can take representations learned in some unsupervised fashion and modify them. In, or, or incorporate them into some downstream model. No, I mean, it just augment, like concatenate the uh, vectors that represent every sentence from the unsupervised, uh, from skip thought and from the proposed method and use both of them as features. Oh, that's even simpler. Okay. Uh, yeah, you could try that. Um, you'd have to add some more regularization, I guess, to your model because you're adding, like you're doubling the size of your feature space. But, sure, yeah. but yeah, you could try it. They didn't. Um, so yeah, uh, one other interesting thing uh, that I'll note about this before concluding is that uh, their notion of feature representation is that I get a single vector for each sentence. 
to me, this feels too restrictive. Like, it, if you think of uh, this, the whole sequence to sequence with attention line of work that, that came about a few years ago in machine translation, the motivation there was uh, if I have some encoder decoder kind of model for, for machine translation, there's a really big bottleneck in this single vector that I'm encoding the sentence in. And the way that they got around this bottleneck was by instead of having a single um, vector representing the sentence, they just used the hidden, the final hidden state of their encoder and then computed an attention over the whole sentence. So you could essentially scale the model capacity with the length of the sentence instead of trying to fit arbitrary length sentences into single vectors. And so it seems to me like that's a pretty key idea. Like most models that you see nowadays have this kind of attention because single vectors are too limiting. So I, I wonder at this whole general approach, um, do, you, do we really want to learn single vectors for sentences at all? Like why should we do this? And is this a good, a good way of getting feature representations for downstream tasks? You can still do this with what they're doing, right? Because, the, uh, for example, the model that they picked was a bidirectional uh, RNN where, or a bi STM where you can actually do an, um, an attention, uh, soft attention over the words that the word representation that you learned from SNLI. Uh, I think the premise is that you wouldn't need to do this because the like what you the model that you would need in addition to the learned representation is going to be a simple thing. Yeah, I guess that's asking your pre-trained feature representations to do a whole lot because they don't know very much about what you're going to use them for. And so you'd have to, I guess, have a whole lot of data and a really big final vector if, you, if you're hoping that it will encode everything that you could possibly want in a downstream task. Right. I think it's, uh, another question is, do we want to use the feature representations or the sentence uh, encoding uh, models as is, or are we going to also improve um, tune their parameters towards the task that we're trying to address um, because that seems to be an obvious win. I'm not sure if they actually did this here. Yeah, and I totally agree. I think this is a really interesting and hot area of research right now. Like, how how do we get good pre-trained feature representations that we can incorporate into downstream models? Like, and and what's the best way to do this? I don't think it, we don't have we don't have good answers for this yet. So in word vectors, it se there seems to be consensus that uh, it's better to tune the features, the word level embeddings, uh, to, towards the tasks that you care about if you have a reasonable amount of label data. Actually, I'm not sure that's true. On squad, for instance, um, the best performing models fix word vectors to glove. And then they learn character and character embeddings and a character level CNN to uh, concatenate with the word vector. So I don't know. It, for some tasks like parsing, yeah, maybe that's true, but I, I don't think that's true across the board for NLP. But it, does it hurt to tune the parameters? It, it, it increases the parameter space of your model by a factor of like eight. And so you could imagine that leads you to overfitting pretty easily. Right, and it hurts the performance, like the uh, speed of optimization. Yep. Okay, I think that's all that we have for this paper. Thank you for presenting this paper, Matt. Next time we're going to talk about a paper titled Question Answering from Unstructured Text by Retrieval and Comprehension by Yusuki Watanabe, Bhuvan Dovingra, Dingra, and Ruslan Salahuddinov.